You're listening to episode 64 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. I imagine when 95-year-old Stan Lee ejaculates, it's just a puff of smoke that comes out. <laughs> God damn it. No. It's just, it's a puff of smoke, but then it's also an onomatopoeia for what that sounds like. Ex- it's like, poof. Excelsior. Or it's like, hiss. <laughs> The, wor- the worst part is that he didn't even do it. He had someone else do it. <laughs> <laughs> but he took all the credit. He took credit for it? <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> he had to start, start the show on a slow burn. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a slow day overall. Uh, so well, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to catch up now, yeah. Welcome to the show. <laughs> On that note, uh, as you can imagine, we're going to be talking about uh, Stan Lee. But not his penis, hopefully. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it depends on how much you decide to bring it up. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about it a lot then. Right. Uh, so <laughs> I can't I can't promise it won't come up. <laughs> I don't know if this is supposed to be funny. Yeah, we're losing listeners real fast. Look at the live ticker, guys. It's It's going down. Yeah, so let's let's pivot away from that, and uh, let's just introduce ourselves real quick. So I am the host of the show. I'm Sean. I'm joined by Pete. Hey, Marco. Hello, Phil. Hello, and Kale. I'm Kale. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you guys can find our show all over the place. We are on iTunes. We are where we are a five star rated podcast because we are five cool guys. Uh, you can contribute to that by leaving us a rating there. And of course, we're on all other podcast hosting platforms. We're on every social media platform. So wherever your social media is sold, you can find us. Get us on MySpace. Maybe not. Where musicians connect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Uh, you can write in with a random question of the week, a buy or sell. Uh, your thoughts on whatever we talk about on this or any other episode. Uh, so shoot us an email there. And then, of course, we are on YouTube where you can leave us a comment if you are watching this on YouTube. Uh, you can like the video, share it with your friends, and subscribe. Those subscribes help us out a lot, and we really appreciate them. So make sure to hit that subscribe button if you are on YouTube. And if you're not on YouTube, go over to YouTube and subscribe to our channel anyways because it's great. And there's some really good stuff on there. So make sure you're not missing out and hit that subscribe button. Or you could at least make me feel good about myself. Pete needs uh, an ego boost. Yeah. yeah. Validation. Validation. Absolutely. So why don't we jump right into this deal uh, and start with something brand new. Uh, so we're in a good mood today. We're all together except Kale who lives in... Narnia? Narnia. Pretty much. Nailed it. <laughs> we are we are all together in Pete's house with the ghost of Kale, uh, and we've decided to do something brand new for you guys, so I'm going to pass it over to Phil, and he's going to direct this. <clears throat> so for our new content this week, we are going to do a Flash speed round trivia. Flash is a really fast running guy, if you didn't know, listeners. Who? And so we're going to compete two... Pals against one another in comics trivia to see who knows more about Stan Lee. No. Because that's tasteful this week. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my God. All right. So we're going to pit Kale and Pete 
because Kale is in a mystical land and Pete is in the room with us. So the way it's going to work is I'm going to ask seven questions. Kale's going to take his headphones off while I ask Pete these seven questions. And then afterwards, I'll ask Kale the same seven questions. Whoever answers the most wins. And if there's a tie, who answered, whoever answered uh, the fastest will have the tiebreaker. Does that sound good to you guys? Sure. 60 seconds on the clock. So, whenever you guys are ready, Kale, I'll take your headphones off. Okay. I'll, I'll signal you with my thumb. Oh, boy. All right. Let's see how much Put you know. spot here. Let's do it. About Stan the Man Lee. Who has the timer? I can do that. So, in the meantime, let's reflect on how good Stan Lee is. <laughs> <laughs> His penis... Okay. Uh, oh, I I'm, guess I should I'm, limit it to the first question. <laughs> How good is Stanley's penis? All right. Let's let's uh put a moratorium on that that phrase. Like let's not say wait, that I, anymore. I'm sorry. Wait on on the phrase Stanley's penis. Yeah, let's okay. not say that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah, we're ready. Okay. Start to the clock. Let's go. Stanley, with the help of what famous creator, created the Amazing Spider-Man? Steve Ditko. And what year was Stanley inducted into the Will Eisner Hall of Fame? Oh, uh, pass. What does Stanley's signature catchphrase "Excelsior" actually mean? Oh, I don't remember. Pass. A week into working at Timely Comics, Stanley got his major break on what book? Captain America. Name one of two famous writers that Stanley worked with during World War II in writing training films for soldiers. Oh, pass. Why is the Incredible Hulk green, according to Stanley? Uh, oh, the real reason he's green is because of a printing issue. But okay. And final question: What were the names of the characters he pitched to Playboy? <laughs> Stripperella? No. no, that's the cartoon he did. Uh, I don't know. Pass. I'll do an eighth question. Which cameo of Go his back was to the his- beginning? Yeah. Okay. Um. Wait. Ask me the cameo question. Yeah. Okay. What's his favorite cameo according to him? <clears throat> is it? Oh, I didn't even get to ask you because you fucking hemmed and hawed. Thanks, Phil. Do you, do you know? <laughs> the rule is... Sp- Spider-Man 2. Nope. Okay. The rule is... Just go back? Yeah, you go okay. back to the beginning, give them the opportunity to a- answer any questions that they passed. I was going to take a guess on the induction one. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Kale, you ready? Yep. So am I going to get the same amount of time because Pete and Sean had a whole conversation in the middle of that? Or? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We, we, we stopped it at 60. <laughs> okay. All right, Marco, whenever you're ready. And go. Fucking smart, Alec. Stanley, with the help of what famous cre- uh, creator created the Amazing Spider-Man? Steve Ditko. And what year was Stanley inducted into the Will Eisner Hall of Fame? Pass. What does Stanley's signature, signature catchphrase Excelsior actually mean? Uh, uh great, great, great job. <laughs> a week into working at Timely Comics, Stanley got his break on what book? Uh, uh, oh, fuck. Uh, The Rawhide Kid? name one of two famous writers that stanley worked with during world war ii in writing training films for soldiers yeah pass why is the incredible hulk green according to stanley gray wouldn't show up on the printer what were the names of the characters he pitched to playboy uh pass (laughs) and what year was stanley inducted into the will eisner hall of fame done all right so i'm our champ pete Answered three questions right, and Kill answered two, so Pete wins. Ooh. Just to go over the answers, it was Steve Ditko that he created Spider-Man with. He was inducted in the Will Eisner Hall of Fame in 1994. Excelsior, right which is also the uh, motto of New York State, is ever upward. Hmm. 
A Week in the Working Time in Comics. He got his break on Captain America. The two famous writers he wrote training films with were Dr. Seuss and Frank Capra. Wow. Fuck. The Incredible Hulk is green because of printing errors. His favorite cameo, which uh, was a throwing question, was Fantastic Four 2, Rise of the Silver Surfer. And the names of the characters he pitched to Playboy were High Priestess Clitana and Lord Peckerton. Oh, my God. <laughs> High Priestess Clitana is amazing. <laughs> I was blown away the first time I heard that. That's, That's funny, amazing. man. The, the Dr. Seuss thing, I did know, but I, I could not, like... I was just not remembering it on the spot. The the Eisner thing, like I thought it was way later than that. So uh, yeah, I would have said I would have said earlier. I thought it was like two thousands. Like I thought that happened while I was paying attention to comics. Right. It was nineteen ninety one. I also know that he he had a, a period of time where he was working on like children's comics, and that's where my answer for the Rawhide Kid came from. Yeah, the the Captain America one was one of the ones I got right because I remember that was part of the reason he revived Captain America right. for yeah. the Avengers was that he was such a big fan of him. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. We don't have a name for it. We'll name it later. Uh, Come up with a name. Yeah, if you've got a name sure. for the segment, give it to us. Yeah, yeah. write in. Let us know your thoughts on the game. And if you have uh, other things that you want us to do, uh, trivia blitzes. Yeah, on. that'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely do share that with us. You can send us questions, too, if you really want. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so now we've got some reader mail to take care of. So Pete's going to handle that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, here. So we've got two bits of reader mail that both come from YouTube this week. Uh, we got a uh, write-in on episode 62 and 63 of the show, so the last two episodes. Uh, we got one from our good buddy, Mr. Jimmy, our favorite pal. Jimmy! His pal out there. That's right. Uh, who goes by Snake of Talons on YouTube, and he writes in on our episode 62, all about uh, Doomsday Clock, the best of 2017, and our predictions for 2018. And Jimmy writes in and says... My favorite news story was when Bendis left Marvel for DC. I think it says the most about how bad Marvel comics were in 2017, and I could have never seen this coming. My favorite comic of 2017 was definitely Snyder's Dark Knight Metal series. I had to, if I had to pick a single issue, it would be Batman Lost. My favorite comic book film was Wonder Woman, uh, and this movie had more heart than any of the others, even if the ending was met. My favorite, I agree with you. Uh, my favorite Comic Pals interview was the one with Yannick Paquette. It was nice to hear his and Morrison's one. process on Wonder Woman Year One. That was one of my favorites, too. Yeah, it's a real good one. Earth um, One, by the way. Thanks for the love. Yeah, Earth One. Sorry about that. Uh, I think Affleck will leave Batman in 2018, and I will be happy about this. I don't know why we got an old grizzled Batman with a young Justice League. Of course, besides to fulfill Snyder's wet dream. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Wet dream of Batman mowing down criminals with tank caliber weapons. <laughs> the hell was BBS? Marvel definitely published F4 Comics, Fantastic Four Comics. In 2018, it would be crazy if they didn't after buying Fox and starting to set it up for Marvel in Marvel 2 and 1. I think it'll, I think I'll probably enjoy Infinity War the most in 2018. It'll be the first time we've actually gotten a huge event with everyone in it as a movie. I think you guys will end up interviewing Snyder, mostly be because Kong's name just keeps getting bigger and Morrison just got a TV show. I think he means King. King so, yeah. yeah. King's name just keeps Kong! getting bigger. And, and Morrison just got a TV show. But also because I think it would end up being funny if you guys got to interview Snyder when most of you practically worship the other two. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a fair that's, point. that's a really good point Jimmy um, uh, I think Matthew Rosenberg will become a big name in 2018 he's starting Phoenix Resurrection and his kingpin was amazing I want to see more from this guy 
Cool. Great picks, Jimmy. I think those are all great picks. And uh, I agree with you on uh, on a lot of them. So thank you so much for writing in. And uh, we always love hearing from you. So hopefully we'll hear from you again soon. Yeah, I I think you probably were correct on a lot of the stuff that you predicted. Uh, will we interview Scott Snyder? I think of the three, he's probably the most accessible, but I also think he's the most willing to do things like that. He's very giving. I think we also time. made the best connection with him. Like yeah. at Comic-Con, we actually talked with his publicist. He met you. He said he would do an interview. It was just a matter of it not coming together. Yeah, so, so I could see that coming to fruition. Yeah. We had a similar bite with Tom King, but I agree with the fact that he's like so hot right now. I feel like he's just all over the place, you know? Yeah. Uh, Andy from the Video Game Pals is actually maybe going to meet him today down in D.C. because he's at his local comic book store. Meet him or Kieran Gillen? Both. Gillen's going to be for a King's book club later. Tom King's there today for a panel. Oh, yeah. snap. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so then we also got a... Uh, thanks again for writing in, Jimmy. We always love hearing from you, buddy. Uh, so we also got a email, uh, not an email, comment on episode 63, Is the Punisher Bad for Our Culture? That was last week's show, the one that I missed out on. And uh, James McMahon, who uh, I believe is a friend of Kel's, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he wrote in and he says, hey, I really agree that the Punisher is an important character because it shows a darker side of vigilantism. If done right, it shows the gray area, the... the it shows these gray area sort of arguments that straight out the question, quote, just because he is killing bad people, is it all right that he is brutally going against the law? That is really just one of the easier questions it can bring up. Great topic and good points. Thanks, awesome. James. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, I agree with you. I think that the Punisher is an important character in Marvel, uh, in particular because vigilantism in Marvel is different than it is in DC because in DC, uh, Superman is su- a thing. And Wonder Woman is the thing, and they're gods, and you're not really going to stop them from doing what they want to do. Whereas we routinely see uh, cops chase down Spider-Man, and you know Luke Cage, and Daredevil's been arrested, and it, there there's a lot more of a street level presence in Marvel comics. Uh, the police in Gotham work with Batman, not yeah. against them. You know, so it's very different. And I think that the Punisher existing in Marvel is important to show that what they do is definitely illegal, number one, and that the wrong person having the same sort of idea could lead to lots of death. Right. Yeah, and I think um, the, the point that James made there I think is a really salient one. And I know I missed out on this conversation, so stop me if I'm retreading ground from last week. But I think the big thing for me with Punisher is like – and I'm not a huge Punisher fan. But what I think w- makes the Punisher work and it was one of the things we talked about in our review is that I think he exists to like hold a mirror up to stuff like that. And you're, you're not supposed to identify with Frank Castle. Like, empathize with him, sympathize with him for the tragedy in his life, sure. But he's not a character that you're supposed to idolize. And to me, Punisher isn't the problem for our culture. It's the people that put him on a pedestal in in the same way that we've criticized people that do that for Batman or the Joker or any other of these cool, like, edgelord characters. Like, they're not supposed to, like, or like Rorschach, right? Like, Rorschach's not the hero of Watchmen. Rorschach is a fucking... Uh, disgruntled, sexually fucking repressed, uh, bigoted man that you're not supposed to root for. He's supposed to be there to tell you something about vigilantism or about heroes in general. And I think when used right, Frank Castle can be really effective as a tool that way. And not that he's necessarily a character that you demonize, but that you're not supposed to look at his actions as heroic. Sean, I don't know why you group Spider-Man in with those other wonderful Marvel heroes. He's a menace to society and he should be chased down by the police. 
<laughs> you should be chased down by the police. I read the Daily being Beagle. A meme. Yeah, I read the Daily Beagle too. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what you guys. It's not a about. rag. Yeah, <laughs> that's news, guys. It's a fucking tabloid rag. <laughs> Ugh. Anyways, uh, yeah. So thank you for writing in, uh, both you guys, and keep sending in those comments. We appreciate them, and of course, we'll read them on the air. Uh, I went over earlier how you can get to us. The easiest way to reach out to us with all your stuff is by writing in at thecomicspals at gmail.com. So definitely use that uh, as a resource to get to us. And uh, like I said, we'll read it on the air if we like what you have to say. Yeah, we really love hearing from you guys. So definitely do that. Uh, All right. So now let's do the pals polls real quick. Uh, So first up, uh, let's do Phil. So I'm doing the uh, Anarchy Complete Collection, um, which collects Anarchy 1 through 6. Um, if you guys played, uh, oh, I think he was in Arkham City. or He was in he was in Arkham City, yeah. 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 So you might remember him from that game. He uh, He's like an anti-villain in that like his motives are altruistic, but his methods are not the best, obviously. And... I think that character rubs up against Batman in a really interesting way because Batman is this kind of Protestant Puritan type uh, hero who like upholds the law to like, a T outside of his own obvious vigilantism. And having a character like Anarchy rub against him, I think, is a unique dichotomy. And this, these six issues, which I haven't read in a long time, so it's cool that DC's collecting them, uh, kind of underscores that. So if you get a chance, it's worth picking up. It'll probably be like 20 bucks or something, so... It's pretty cool. Uh, I think that was a good sales pitch. You inspired me. I might have to purchase this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was exciting. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that was a good sales pitch. I, I gave him a little script to say that, and he did not read it with any enthusiasm. <laughs> Hashtag not an ad. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to, you know, sell things for DC unless they want to pay me to do that. Uh, so, I'm not trying to shill unless they give me money. <laughs> right. yeah. I'll show all day for cash. What? <laughs> Please. Um, and then Marco chose Killer Be Killed number 15. Yeah. Uh, Killer Be Killed has been an awesome series. I have I love it. Uh, Brubaker's great. Phillips' art is like amazing. Uh, have you been keeping up, Sean? Yes. Dude, I'm so excited yes. for this arc. Uh, it's sort of a new arc, so like super pumped. Uh Go pick it up. It's great. The first two trades should be out already. Um, uh, yeah, I think the third trade is actually oh, is out solicited already? for this upcoming week. Oh, there you go. Huh. That was a very interesting pitch, Marco. I'll be sure to buy that book. Screw you. Oh, the joke was, I see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you also chose uh, Star Wars 42. Yeah. Um, I missed out on a couple of issues. Of, I haven't been up to date with Star Wars. Uh, I missed, I think, like issue like 37 or something. So like they were just kind of piling up. Uh, but I finally found it. And um, I've, I've read through. So I'm, I'm looking forward to like, this is current arc is the ashes of Jeddah. Um, and it's been, it's been an interesting arc. So like, I'm, I'm excited to see where it's going to go. Cool. Yeah. And I like, uh, Kieran Gillen on this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it, it's, and it, there wasn't like a huge shift. I feel like, like you, you can see there's like a little bit of a, of a stylistic difference in, in the writing. Um, but I feel he's, he has to like find his footing and then after that he's going to be fine. Sure. And, 
I mean, he's been playing in this space for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Like the Vader series, so uh, it 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 feels right. Mm-hmm. How long is this? Like, what issue are we on on Vader? It's been going on for like two years, right? Vader mm-hmm. ended. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is they, this a new this, series then? Well, the series that Marco's referencing is Star Wars. Oh, proper. okay. I'm sorry, uh, I- but. Darth Vader relaunched with Charles Soule as the writer. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I know that they did a new number one, like, just a couple weeks ago, right? Uh, a few months ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it like ended nine. It ended on 25, I think? Yes, it ended yeah. on 25. Cool. It was a good run. Yeah, very good. I know you were really into that one, right? Yeah, I was pumped for that. I was obsessed awesome. with that. So good. Uh, and actually, yeah, never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to reference that I interviewed them, but I didn't interview them. I, did, I interviewed the artist on... Uh, on Darth Vader, Salvador LaRocca. Oh, really? But I didn't, yeah. I interviewed, oh. the, I interviewed him with Phil, actually. But I didn't interview them for us, so I was oh, not going to say it. And they're gone forever anyway. Yeah, so exactly. But anyways, uh, so those are the Pals Pulls this week. Of course, if you want to send yours to us, you can do so in all the aforementioned ways. Uh, Pete and Kale don't read comics, so there you go. <laughs> so uh, let's jump into the news. And we're going to start with... Probably the biggest announcement of the new year so far, which is that Stanley's penis. Oh, no, there it is. There and I thought it is. We agreed to not talk about that. Uh, but uh, the biggest announcement of the year, which is the book that Bendis will first write for DC. Oh boy! And as it fucking go. as it turns out. Kale uh, called hashtag it. Kale's right. Yeah, Kale called it. Yeah, no, Kale really called was. it. Hashtag Kale called it. Oh, I like that actually. Hashtag Kale called it. I there like you that. go. So, uh, Brian Bendis' first DC story will appear in Action Comics 1000. It will be one of the backup stories, so not the main story. But uh, that's where he's first going to grace their pages. And the art will be done by Jim Lee, which is super cool. Ooh. That is really cool. Yeah, that's a good match. So, Kale, how does it feel to be right for once? Uh, excuse me for once. Yeah, <laughs> we should we should go ahead and rename this podcast. Kale was right. He gets he gets one Riverdale prediction right before this, and now he thinks he's like fucking Nostradamus. I know. <laughs> I'm the only Nostradamus around here, buddy. I don't n- knows about that. Boom. That was that was weak. <laughs> and you want us to rename the show after you after that? Because I was right, not because of my comedic talents. <laughs> I, I also want to point out, uh, and then you guys should react, uh, that DC walked back the price. I don't know if you oh, guys saw that. Really? Did no, I didn't see that. Yeah. Uh, they, what so a muddled we, fucking message this has been. We talked about how they jumped it up to $50, right. Right, and they've since brought it back down to $30. So Where it that's belongs. That's for the hardcover edition. Sorry? Where it belongs. Yes. I'm going to get it. Same. I'm also yeah, I mean, I'm going to buy it now that it's $30 again. That was, I mm-hmm. uh, when they announced it, I was like, that's an appropriate price point for this. <laughs> I like how they lost all, like, all of us, and then uh, they, they brought us back with that. Because well, we literally were all like, yeah, I'd pay $30 for that. It's like 50 <laughs> bucks. Like, uh, no, not so much. I'll be honest. I, I probably was going to buy it anyway at 50 bucks. Yeah, I just. So was I. I. I thought about it after we did the show, and I was just like, you know what? Actually, I think I want this. So, uh, any thoughts about Bendis writing this or being involved? Uh, so I, I think when when this was first brought up, I um, I was like, I, I don't know Bendis's writing. You know, I didn't grow up reading him. Um, he read like sixteen issues of Ultimate Spider Man. That's about it. That was it. And like, <laughs> um, I mean, and like powers. Like it, it, oh, that's it, true. It's, yeah. But, it's like, but stylistically, it's different. It's very right. different. Um, and 
Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to just to get into this. And then, I don't know, I, I don't really read Superman anyway. So... We know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good way for me to like kill two birds with one stone from an like, art, artistic experience perspective. Um, I mean, um, I'm interested in it. I, I feel like we talked about this a lot when Kale brought up the possibility of it coming out. Yeah. Um, so not to belabor the point, but I'm interested in it because like this is historical. Like this issue itself is historical. Bendis making the switch is is is, is, is a historic moment in comics. Um, and despite the fact that I, I'm sure that Phil's going to get into it in a minute about all his problems with where this could potentially go wrong, I think Bendis <laughs> writing Superman is a good fit. And I think to a point that you've made regularly, the reason he did this was because he had Superman stories to tell. So I'm excited to see him do something different because um, I do have that history with Bendis that Marco was talking about. You know, like Ultimate Spider-Man was a really formative book for me. Um, Bendis was my favorite writer when I was like in my teenage years and like getting back into comics in the mid 2000s. So, but he really lost me in the last couple of years. I've, I've, I've regularly said, I think he's been stretched too thin. And one of the things that's attractive to me about him going to DC is the idea of him doing like one book or one character. So, um, I am excited for his Superman run. And I think this is a really like, it's a really weird way to do it. Like, this isn't how I would have done his first Superman story, but I think it's, pretty cool actually so i'm excited for this moment uh overall i think issue 1000 of action comics is going to be a really cool thing we'll look back on i think that it speaks i think in general dc has been um very thoughtful of its creators the last year or two um yeah and putting bendis on Superman, uh, Action Comics 1000 is putting him over in a big way. That's making him seem like a really big deal, and they're pairing him with Jim Lee, who's the co-publisher of the company. Um, and what was it Sean said last week? They don't let him down from his ivory tower too often. So exactly. <laughs> coming down to do this is cool. Yeah. Um, I'm not confident in the quality of the book. I'm not traditionally a Bendis fan. I don't really like most of what he writes. I think that he writes the same way on every book, which is not inspiring um but we'll see i mean that's all there is to it we'll see i'm not super into where superman's gone the last two years as it is i am into the idea of a shake-up if he's got stories to tell maybe he'll write better than he <laughs> does so we'll see uh yeah i mean i'm in i'm in full agreement i've i've said my piece already about what i think about bendis writing superman i think this makes sense um wait you're in full agreement with who oh with Phil. Okay. Um, so you don't think it's going to be good? That's not exactly no, what I said. No. Uh, he's say, Phil's saying that if Bendis has a story to tell, that, you know, there's a good shot that it could be good. Yeah. And uh, I agree with that. And I think him taking part in something like this is cool for him. It's cool for us. It's a draw for the book. Uh, Definitely cool for DC. Yeah. They're making this the most impactful thing it can be. And I'm in favor of that. So they've they've now made the thirty dollar price point even more worth more enticing. I mean, this has to be the first monthly comic book to hit one thousand issues, right? Yeah. So From, yeah, this is like as far as I know. This is industry. Like this is significant in the industry. We should fact check that. No, it definitely is. Yeah, it's the first comic to reach a thousand issues. Period. The must. must and be. at at the at the very least, it's the first superhero one. 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we will talk about that book when it launches for sure. Uh, when we all get the hardcover. So sci-fi has released a trailer for the Krypton series that they're doing. So weird. Uh, so this series is akin to Gotham or Smallville, except for the part where uh, Clark slash Kal-El is not a character in the show at all. Uh, the difference, which the trailer highlights, is that uh, someone from the future goes to Krypton to tell uh, Clark's or Superman's grandfather what his son will ultimately be and warns him about a threat that's coming their way because they want to eliminate the chance of Superman ever existing. So what do you guys think about the way the show looks and about that as a pitch? So I thought, I thought it was a really good idea. Um, I thought that it sort of um, upends your ex- expectations like a lot. You know, it's not because uh, w- when when you guys said Krypton, I was like, "Oh, it's Superman, son of a bitch!" <laughs> but but uh, but it literally doesn't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then but like looking at it, it looks just like like a sci-fi show. Like uh, it just looks like a science fiction show. Um, everything about it, uh, the way it was it was shot, the way it looks like it's being produced was. Um, just very thematically consistent with that whatever niche genre is trying to hit, uh, and I thought it was really well executed, um, at least from what I can see in the trailer. And to to make that and still sort of connected to like DC Comics, I think is a really cool synergy. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm kind I'm I'm looking forward to it honestly. Just because there's no Superman. Specifically because there isn't <laughs> no, no specifically, specifically because it's it's a it's a sci-fi show like yeah no not like the channel but it's a science fiction show yeah you're, you're a huge fan of channel sci-fi I love it I could not be less interested in this <laughs> I, I I have no no interest in this show at all is it because of the lack of Superman it's because of everything about <laughs> it like no really like the pitch is not interesting to me like really? that sounds no like that sounds like a cool idea for a comic book like. But like a one-off, like that's like an Elseworlds story. Like I don't need a full sci-fi series for that. And the way that television works, especially like network television, and granted this is cable, so it's a little different. But if the show is good, they're going to try to stretch it out as long as possible and make multiple season arcs. And it's like, it's not going to be like this cool, tight mini story. It's like, if it's good and if it sucks, it'll suck. So it's like, I don't see a scenario where this is like, good or interesting and it, it the premise of it like the pitch is dumb to me for the same reason gotham is dumb it's like oh batman without batman it's like that's the point dude like i'm not interested like there's a reason that superman's origin story took up one page or one panel or in any good telling of it like i'm not interested Three in Krypton. Panels. i'm interested in superman and earth and i like i like science fiction but like the kind of science fiction that this looks like is not appealing to me at all. So, I, I guess it looked like almost like a Battlestar start Battlestar Galactica Star Trek thing, and I was like, thing. I was like for it. I was like, yes, she's using a blaster. There, I'm, that's me. <laughs> um, I was interested in the premise when I heard it, but there was just all these nods and mentions of Superman in it, and that it just felt like Gotham. In the sense where it's like, you're not 
you're doing a story that takes place in the setting of this character, but you're still mentioning this character who's not even relevant in the scope of when this show takes place because that's the famous person from it. Right. And I'm, I'm totally interested in a show about Krypton. Do whatever you want with it. I think there's plenty of stories that you could tell with something like that setting and stuff. But to have to constantly bring it back to Superman, not even Jor-El. You can tell a story with Jor-El. That's one thing. But Superman, it's just... That's the, if it was I'm, about Jor-El, that might be interesting. Uh, maybe Superman is just a hook for the first couple episodes, but we'll see. Or shit, if it was the story of his grandfather, this character that we're supposed to meet, right? Like, that might be cool. Yeah. But if the entire thing is predicated on someone going back in time to try and stop Superman from being born, it's just like, I don't know Yeah, exactly. That. that shouldn't be the hook. The hook should be that this is where Superman's from. Yeah. That should be the hook. Or, you know, an interesting story should be the hook. Oh, well, no shit. Definitely. <laughs> uh, so I, I actually think this is a really, really cool idea. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not as bothered as you guys by the idea of the hook sort of being that, you know, they're trying to prevent Superman's birth uh, by eliminating his people. I think that that's a way to grab uh, attention from fans who may not otherwise tune in just the mention of superman's like oh okay uh grounding it in something that they can recognize uh that being said though i think there are so many interesting stories to tell yeah on krypton like mm-hmm. brainiac stories um that you can go into the story of i mean even man of steel presented what i thought was like really interesting politics yeah like let's talk let's do a story about zod <laughs> or like you know, any of the other, like, rogue Kryptonians or, like, there are so many things you could do there. Um, but I'm positive this show's going to do them. I think what they showed in the trailer is, like, the here's hook. the most basic yeah. hook we could possibly do so that you will want to see this on a base level. So, like, I think you're right, but my fear is that, like, it just feels like Gotham. Like, I feel like it's going to be like, oh, yeah, like, Penguin's in Gotham, but it's, like, it, but it's weird it's Gotham different. Penguin. It's, I don't it, know. it's different, though, because those characters existed on Krypton already. Yeah. Whereas in Gotham, obviously, they did that because nobody gives a <laughs> shit about a show about young Bruce Wayne just hanging around in Gotham. Well, yeah. if, they, they, if they made Gotham like Brubaker's Gotham City Police Department book, Gotham, like, yeah, that yeah. would have been fine. Yeah, that's what it should have been, and yeah. then they didn't do that. And, and that was the original pitch. Was, right. Oh, it's a story about Jim Gordon, and it's like I would watch that, but yeah. it's not about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's about uh, Jim Gordon living in the shadow of Bruce Wayne, who's a fucking twelve-year-old. Like it's dumb, <laughs> and, and it's and it's frustrating because it doesn't make sense, narratively speaking, to anybody who has had any sort of relationship to the Batman character, uh, which again is different than most people's relationship to Superman, because I think Superman has strangely a le- less exposure. So like people don't know as much about his world and his cast of characters that existed before him or that came to earth from krypton that's true uh so i think that there's a lot to mine there and i think this could be really cool kel what do you think uh yeah i'm i'm not interested i i think this show will go the the same way that uh gotham does i think it'll it'll be it'll be very similar uh mistakes and and missteps and i just i'm i'm not interested and even as similar similar to Pete, you know, I think it's a good a good one shot, a good a good mini series. And I think there probably are very good stories to be told there, but 
like what they're using is the hook of Superman. And I'm just, I'm not interested in that. Oh, and also I love how, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the first time I saw it was an ad on sci-fi's Facebook. And it was like, oh, from the writer of the Dark Knight and Man of Steel, and I'm yeah. like, from the writer of the of the piece of Superman media that I think understands the character the least. Awesome! That really makes me feel emboldened that this is going to be a good story about Krypton and not some bad, dreary sci-fi thing that is embarrassed of its source material. Like, no thanks. Well, David S. Gore, is that who wrote it? No, that would I don't be, think he wrote- that'd be Jonathan Nolan. Yeah. Right? No, Goya wrote Man of Steel. But did he, but, did he write but, Dark Knight, though? He might have been a co-writer. Yeah. Yeah, he was part of it. Okay. Hmm. Let me, yeah, I'm looking it up I mean, right David now. David S. Goyer sucks, so. Yeah. I think he's a bad script, right? screenwriter. Yeah. No, he, and he's a shitty superhero fan, too. Yeah. Well, that's true. In what, in what sense? He, um, he was shitting on people for, like, liking She-Hulk and Martian Manhunter. Oh, right, right. He was yeah. saying. Yeah, he said he thought Martian Manhunter was lame. And then right. he said, like, She Hulk is a fucking male sexual fantasy or something, which, I mean, maybe right. true, but I don't know. But, like, it's a shitty on people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's David S. Goyer. Oh, right. I hate David S. Goyer as a writer, so. Well, The Dark Knight was really good. The Dark Knight is really good. So. He's just a he mix, can't be that bad. He's a mixed bag writer, I think. Uh, so, moving along, uh, DC Comics has announced that their partnership with John Ridley is going to continue uh, with a new series. Uh, Sounds really cool. So for those of you who don't know who John Ridley is, John Ridley is the person who uh, wrote 12 Years a Slave. Academy Award winning film. Right, right, right. So that's that's a major movie. Uh, And he has worked with uh, DC already on a series called American Way. So there was American Way, and then the sequel, which is currently being published, is called uh, As Above, So Below. So American Way, As Above, So Below. Okay. What was American Way about? Uh, actually, I'm not sure what it's about. Um, I, haven't, I haven't recent looked into it. Uh, yeah, it's recent. Cool. It's, it's, it's an ongoing partnership that they have with him. But uh, the book that he's going to be publishing with them now, it's a miniseries titled The Other History of the DC Universe. And uh, huh. basically what it's about is... It's about celebrating and putting the spotlight on characters who are quote-unquote marginalized. Basically, what they're talking about is uh, minorities. So, uh, women, uh, you know, people of color, you know. Uh, Excuse me, are you telling me that there aren't, like, two relevant non-white male characters in the DC Universe? Please. I don't know if there are. But, uh... Yeah, so this is a pretty cool project. Sorry, Kale. I know one of the one of the characters they said uh, was Supergirl, who they consider an immigrant, which sure, I, which makes what? sense, I guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's They're just Kryptonians, dude. They're immigrants. Superman's the greatest immigrant story. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm pretty excited about it. It's gonna it's gonna have Katana, uh, John Stewart, obviously, yes! who is like, oh, yeah, my dude, John Stewart's the man. It's my favorite Green Lantern, dude. Yeah. Um, so we don't know a ton about what this series is going to look like outside of what I just said, uh, but this is pretty cool. And obviously, uh, DC is happy with what American Way has been and how those books have performed. So they're going to continue that relationship. with They're them. fucking DC, dude. They tag in like a great screenwriter from 12 Years of Sleep, which is one of the best films from the last eight years, frankly. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> 
and he um and dc just keeps providing really good uh, avenues for their talent yeah this is another example of that and this is a great idea yeah man i mean i it just i am so emboldened by what dc is doing like they're just making such smart moves in my mind like pro business pro consumer like how do you beat that you know like they're they're allowing people to stretch their legs artistically while also like you know what do we criticize marvel for for the last like two years is like that they've been like really not been doing a good job of providing meat and potato comics that are like good or that are like resonating with their audience and like dc's hitting them on where they're hitting us coming and going you know, like if you do just want your meat and potatoes, Batman stuff, it's like, well, cool. We've got what we think is the best writer in the fucking industry writing Batman right now. Great. Pick that up. Your mileage may vary on vary on what they've been doing with Superman lately. But, uh, you know, Wonder Woman's in a great spot with Greg Rucka. That's and, over. Well, I mean, like that's been the case, right? So it's like I just doing more stuff like this and you know like we've talked about the batman anthology the hanna-barbera stuff the fucking young animal like seeing them do more moves like this isn't surprising to me because they've been working on both a critical and commercial standpoint so i imagine we'll see more stuff like this from them and that's just good it's just smart healthy makes of extremely popular writers on their most popular books and then having experimental imprints at the same time yep. yeah yeah, I mean, I think this is a good play. Uh, obviously, he's a he's a writer with a name, name recognition. So utilizing him in this capacity is cool. Uh, I just have the same problem with this that I do with the fact that Ta-Nehisi Coates hasn't written any non-black characters yet. You know, mm. it, which is that okay? So he's so he's black. So he's got to write all these. Like he's known for like. Ty's black, so he's known for writing about black issues. So all the characters that he's going to get to write are black. Black Panther, Black Panther and the crew, Black Panther, Rise of the Panther. Like all the books he writes are. Do you think that might be his choice, though? Yeah, and in this case, it might be his choice as well. I mean, I don't know if it's his choice or not. I'm just saying that when I look at it as somebody who's black and wants to have opportunities to write comics. You don't like I, pigeonholed. I don't like. Yeah, I don't like the idea of being pigeonholed. Yeah. yeah, and then like every time that there's a that there's a like if it's a woman, oh well, guess who she's writing? Other women. If it's a whatever yeah. minority you are, guess who you're going to get to write? Like it's yeah. always like that. <laughs> yeah, if you're a white guy, you can write whatever the fuck like, you want. Yeah, yeah. If you're a white guy, you get to write Captain Marvel, She Hulk, and Captain America and Iron Man. Like right. doesn't matter. And Black so Panther. You get to create Jessica Jones. And Miles Morales, but also write Captain America and the Avengers. Like, yeah. You get to be Bendis. Yep. I will say, I guess what's cool about this, though, is I like that it's about, like, you said it was about marginalized characters and, like, Kale Broth, they're going to do, like, Supergirl. So, like, that's an example. Like, he'll get to probably stretch his legs a little bit with this series specifically since it's not just about black superheroes. It's about, you know, great. Like, you're right. It's still, like, minorities, but, like, Supergirl's a white woman. So, like, at least he'll get to, like, with blonde hair. at least he'll get to get outside of that a little bit with this series, it seems like. Sure. It won't hit me, though, until he's writing Superman or Batman. I think that's cool. That's, le- that's legit. Uh, so, moving right along, Oni Press has made some major, major announcements. Yeah, baby. Uh, which are all really cool and interesting. So, uh, it's their 20th anniversary year, and they've got several new. Um, announcements to make 
So uh, they they're changing. This is huge, actually. They're changing from Diamond to Simon and Schuster as their book publisher, which is like enormous. Hey, really? Yeah, yeah, dude. It's like they're one of the only relevant publishers to do that. Yeah, it's it. That's 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 huge. That's gonna make waves. I'm yeah. very interested to see how that uh, sort of develops. But then, uh, in addition to that. Uh, their co-founder, um, Joe Nazimak, has segued into the title of chief financial officer. So he's he's making a big shift. Um, and then their former editor in chief, James Lucas Jones, is replacing Nazimak as the publisher and is going to remain a co-owner of the company. So that's that's also huge. And they've got a ton of different changes. That they're going to be making in addition to that. So, so many different new job titles and people kind of moving around. It seems like they're really trying to put their best people in positions to really take a lot of ownership over the company. And then I did want to point out uh, that a lot of the changes are actually women moving up the ranks, um, which is really cool as well to see. And it's a lot um, of like senior leadership too. Like it's a lot of people that have been there for a long time at different roles who are kind of moving around, which is interesting. Yeah, so like Hillary Thompson is a graphic designer and she's being promoted to senior designer. So that's good for her. And then Angie Knowles moves from digital pre-press technician to digital press lead. So that's a that sounds like a huge bump to me. Yeah. Uh and then Rachel Reed is taking on the responsibility of marketing manager. Uh and there there are just so many different um movements and shifts and stuff it's like a that. Really big restructuring it seems like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, Nazimek had the following say in a statement. 20 years ago, the comics mainstream was limited to science fiction and superheroes. Because of their increase in popularity, comics and graphic novels are the main growth category in bookstores and libraries. And now, comic book shops have been able to attract a more diverse audience. That's exactly what Oni Press set out to do. Make a comic for every person. I would honestly argue that they're a big part of that too. Like in my mind, like, and I know like Marco and I are probably the biggest Oni Press fans here just because we're both so into, um, Scott Pilgrim. yeah, Scott Pilgrim and, you know, the other works that, uh, have been published there by, um, O'Malley. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I, to me, like Scott Pilgrim was the first, the first book like that, that I was exposed to, you know, like, the last, I mean, the movie came out when I was like 15 or 16, and that was around the time they were publishing the last volume. And I had never read a comic that wasn't superheroes or science fiction or that was like about romance, you know? And granted, that obviously existed, but I think for like mainstream audiences for our generation, like that was my first exposure to stuff like that, you know? Or even like the idea of buying a graphic novel instead of singles in that way. You know, it was like a thing that was unique to them. Um, I'd never read a black and white comic before then either. Like, they definitely, to me at least, were the first publisher where I experienced something different than what I had before with comics. But that still spoke to me. So, it's it's really cool to me that they're still around and they're, that they're growing. 20 years is a long time. In this industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um- no joke. I'm, I mean, I'm happy for them. I don't think I read any Oni Press book at all. Um, and to be honest, nothing that they've said here is 
is about content, so it doesn't make me want to read anything that they're putting out. Uh, but hopefully, with these announcements, we're going to see... I mean, it's the 20th anniversary. I would imagine that they're going to try to do some major things in the in the sphere of you know actual books. So hopefully they put something out that's uh, worth my money. I mean, not that they haven't, just that it's not on my radar. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say uh, Heartthrob. Oh, you're right. Wow. I forgot that that was Oni Press. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. And if you guys are listening, I have a friend named Kale Ward who I'm sure would love to write for you. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Let me check. Uh, yeah, he, he's nodding. So, yeah, no, I, I think he's game. <laughs> Kale, what do you think about this? I, uh, I'm i not uh, huge uh, on, you know, the, the editorial side of things other than Titan for obvious reasons. Um, what are those reasons? I, it's weird. Um, it's a weird conflict of interest that I uh, hopefully will be taking advantage of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kale nepotism ward. <laughs> it's, you know... Uh, editorial teams and like the corporate structure of of comics is is just something i've never really been uh a part of or interested in um it sounds good that's all i can really say about it i uh like you sean i i don't go out of my way to look for oni books except for like kaiju max yeah uh but uh, like you know, I can I can only imagine that if they have restructured this so much, good can come out of it. And um, just going back to the like the switch from Diamond to Simon and Schuster, like that's just huge in itself because Diamond is essentially a monopoly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. In 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 comics publishing, so like that for a major publisher like that to to make the switch, uh. I don't know if that's going to have any resounding. Like, if that's going to be um, heard throughout the rest of the like the the, the comics publishing world. Um, like I don't know wh- what this means for maybe like a smaller press, like a like, like a Black Mask or uh, like even an Boom. Image Boom Dark Horse. Like you know, like like uh, obviously we'll have to wait and see like what what happens if anything. Um, but I mean from just from that standpoint like that's uh it's a it's a ballsy move because you know uh i'm interested to see how their sales are affected after this um yeah because because diamond um has like low-key been known to uh sometimes like uh, affect publishing like that um sort of shutting people out so i'm i'm interested to see what what is the outcome yeah, I would really love to get somebody from Oni on the show to talk about that decision, like why they made the move, because obviously it's business, like they must be saving money or something, like they must realize that like, because yeah. I don't know, like you don't see a lot of Oni books in comic book stores. I feel like a lot of them get sold more in like bookstores, mm-hmm. online, at conventions, like maybe they've realize that that publishing like Mm -hmm. model like they're not getting anything from being with diamond and they could save money going somewhere else and that if they do get wedged out of comic book stores that like it won't matter right yeah yeah yeah, totally no no i wonder it's great thought i'm speculating but that's a really good thought yeah yeah i feel i i feel like oni has a lot more um graphic novel presence yeah yeah you know they'll they'll release yeah they'll release full uh full uh trades you know, already completed 
and which yeah translates to uh easier bookstore sales and and even you know going just straight into the shelves uh at comic book stores so it makes sense that they would go that they would go to simon and schuster uh as opposed to diamond who who ship mostly singles yeah like i wonder if like maybe they realize too that like hey like diamond is like built to do single issues so like it is more expensive to do hardcovers or floppies or whatever and like that's fine if you're marvel or dc and you're making you know your money coming and going there but if there's you know there's no incentive for them to be there I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm with Marco where I'm really interested to see the fallout of this. Yeah. If there are other publishers that follow suit and what that means for Diamond. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like Marvel and DC aren't going anywhere and like that's their bread and butter. So like they'll be fine. But it would be interesting to see the fucking, you know, Monopoly get broken up. We need some fucking trust busting up in here and we'll see. I don't know. Could be cool. That's what we need, Phil. We need to resurrect uh, Teddy Roosevelt, get him up here, bust up some of them trusts. <laughs> Could be good. So, uh, shifting over to Marvel, uh, they've announced a new Exile series. So anyone who's a fan of the Exiles comics, uh, I I remember them very fondly uh, from the mid two thousands. The team is coming back, but they are not coming back quite the way that you remember them, uh, and. The team is actually going to be very interesting. So we've got Blink as the the, the perennial Exiles member, uh, the leader. Um, Iron Lad, who is also known as Kang. Uh, oh, he's back? Iron, Did he ever leave? Or? Iron Lad? Yeah. He's back. I don't remember... I, I could maybe I'm misremembering. I could have I could have sworn that the original storyline where they introduced him wrapped up with him like going back to the future being like blinked out of existence or something but well, dude, man, i don't remember it's, it's exiles anything is possible that yeah that too like these are these are alternate reality versions of all these characters pretty oh, much. Okay. Uh, so like one of for example uh kamala khan miss marvel is on the team but she's an old grizzled veteran of being a superhero oh. and is only known now as khan oh that's khan! cool that's really cool. That's really cool, man. A chibi ex-baby version of Wolverine. Oh, from the uh, Mojoverse. What? From the Mojoverse. What? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I name, need to see his this. His name is yeah. Wolvie. His name is Wolvie. Is it really? Yes. Oh, my fucking God. This is amazing. Oh, my God. Kamala's really rogue cool. hair, too. Yeah. and mm, That's badass. Last but not least... Valkyrie from Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I I saw that one. Uh, the headline for that. That's fucking badass. So yeah, so there. What's interesting about this is that <laughs> the Valkyrie that we know from the comics is obviously not black and not. I mean, she's a blonde-headed white woman, not an know? alcoholic, <laughs> right? So how how does this sort of work? Uh, Marvel historically loves to introduce versions of their characters from the films uh, into the comics. They did so with Nick Fury, the Ultimate Universe, and then transplanted him into the main universe uh, through some shenanigans. A very convoluted story. <laughs> Just to clarify, I think, because I, I don't think you misspoke, but it sounds like uh, you said that they took him, that they put him in Ultimates from the movies, and it was the other way around. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. one for the yeah, listeners. Yeah, he came, he came first in the Ultimates. Then he was black in the movies, yeah. And then they, then they 
made the Nick Fury in the in Nick the Fury main, Jr. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very right. convoluted. Um, very convoluted. Yeah. I always thought he was black. Stuff. I don't know. Well, huh? It's because you're casual. Yeah, well, ultimate, was- ultimate Nick Fury is black because he legitimately, like, they straight up contacted Samuel L. and, like, can we use your likeness? And he was like, yeah, whatever. He used to be David Hasselhoff. Now he's Sam L. Jackson. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think this is cool. It's, it sounds fun. Yeah, I, I love The Exile. Me too. I'm a, I was a, that was one of my favorite books in the mid 2000s. Um, I'm interested to see what. What, where this goes and who's writing it sean oh yeah that's right uh so the creative team is actually really interesting it's saladin ahmed and uh the art's going to be done by javier rodriguez yeah. so ahmed is currently on black Heard bolt him. which oh, is okay a book that a lot of people are a lot really of good buzz right here's good yeah, I heard, yeah. I heard it's good so uh i really like the creative team on this it's cool as, as we say on the comics pal show it could be good all right, but I need a I need more of a take than could be good. I mean, I I, I like I said, I think it, it, this is a fun concept. Like I I like as much as I like serious superhero stories or whatever. Like it's fun when you just get something like this that doesn't take itself too seriously and is like just a weird mashup. Like this is the fun of comic books that you can get away with, or specifically big two comic books in my mind that you can get away with a team that has characters from five different universes and one of them's literally a shibby cartoon version of the yeah. most edgelord character ever made like that's cool it's fun i think it sounds like it could be good. uh yeah it could be good <laughs> but it, it, it could be a fun like mini you know i don't i don't necessarily need an ongoing with this team but you're gonna get it well what's, what's, <laughs> right. fun, of, what's fun about the exiles is uh, after a while they will shake up the roster and they start do. doing new Characters from new universes to shake up the roster. Like that sounds good. Yeah, I think this could be fun. Yeah, and yeah. I do want to add that this version of Valkyrie. Well, all versions of Valkyrie are bisexual, but uh, they are going to. That's going to be a, that's going to play a role it. in this book. So yeah. you're telling cool. me that she's not going to date Chibi Wolverine? <laughs> no, no. I mean, she might. Gonna, she's going to date future Chibi X twenty three, or she could just date. <laughs> Old Kamala Khan, because old Kamala Khan is hot. <laughs> uh, the book drops. Sean with the hot takes. <laughs> yeah. The book drops April 11th. All right. So not too far away. I probably picked that up in a trade. It looks yeah. like it looks off the walls. Like, it's cool. Something to look forward to. For sure. So, uh, one thing that most fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe have clamored for is a Black Widow movie. Where is my Black Widow movie? Uh, and now it looks like we might actually be getting one because uh, apparently Marvel Studios has uh, commissioned a script from Jock Schaefer, who is a writer for The Blacklist, uh, to write a film about the Black Widow. This is so strange because obviously it's cool. I, I'm into the idea of a Black Widow movie. I've been pro that for a long time. I think it makes sense. But I was really under the impression that Scarlett Johansson was done. So maybe she's not. Like, I, feel, I think she would come back for a, a solo film. Maybe. Yeah. 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 A, a black, a black widow movie would be right up modern Scar Joe's alley. Yeah, that's I that's think, her MO. I think otherwise, otherwise she'd be done, you know, and understandably, but where it's like, Oh, I'm going to have my own film where I'm going to be paid very handsomely for it. Hell Yeah. Yeah, that said, uh, we don't even know that it will be 
featuring ScarJo. That's so true. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say maybe like after whatever happens in Infinity War, like that. That to me seems like a weird choice, though. Like, why would you do it now when you lose? Like, because it's like it would feel too late. It, not only that, but like Scarlett Johansson is literally the most bankable female actor, female next, act- to actor. La- next to Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, more, Jennifer I would say she's the second highest uh, uh, paid actor earning. Like, yeah, she's got the highest. Like, uh, what's the word? Gross. Yeah, true. So uh, this writer Schaefer, she has uh, a pretty extensive history as far as uh, what she has worked on, which does give me hope for this uh, being good. Uh, she made her debut in two thousand and nine, uh, writing a Tribeca film called Timer. Uh, which she also directed, so she's got chops there as well. Um, and then I mentioned uh, Blacklist, mm-hmm. um, which uh, was a. Uh, it's actually kind of weird. I'm not entirely sure what it is, um, but uh, I guess it's like there was something in that called The Shower, and it was a uh, sci-fi action comedy with Anne Hathaway. Oh yeah, um, yeah. The movie was called The Shower. That's what this uh, article from the rap is saying. So, huh. uh, interesting stuff. But she's got she's got a history to her. She's done quite a bit of work. So uh, I'm excited to see um, what she puts together. And if we honestly, if we ever even get to see this movie, I'm not 100 percent convinced that it comes out. Yeah, it might not even happen. But in the event that it does, enough people want to see this. Um. And for the longest time, she was like the only character, female character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that like fought bad guys. So I think I think it'd be fine. It'd be it'd be good to reward those fans. I just think it's a no brainer. Like, just do it. Make the movie. Like we we saw with Captain America two that a tight superhero spy thriller was great. Worked out fine. You just gotta get Jeremy Renner in there. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you need that, but I wouldn't be against it. Like, I wouldn't be against the idea of like a, you know, back in time when they were partners, they're on a shield. Like, that could be fun. It could be a good, and let him play second fiddle. Yeah, or, or I mean, they've made reference to prior adventures that yeah. they had. Yeah. yeah, like what was that? The uh, thing in Avengers where they're like, "Oh, this is worse than this thing." Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, oh, remember that time and whatever. Like, yeah, let's go see that. Or like. I'd watch uh I'd watch a fucking Black Widow Nick Fury team up. That'd be cool. Nick Fury's got a mission. <laughs> and two eyes. Let's go in, I'll send you in. <laughs> you know, like yeah, like he's the guy in the chair, maybe he shows up for the fight at the end. Like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Sure, absolutely. There's so many ways you could play a Black Widow movie and like literally just give me a decent spy movie starring starring Scarlett Johansson. People are gonna fucking show up for that shit. I think I'd rather see a movie with a giant black widow. Get out. <laughs> I'd rather see a giant black widow eat you. <laughs> well, I'd watch that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would too. But I want to see it in real life. Like, not. <laughs> I want to watch a giant spider suck all of the juices out of your body. And back to Stan Lee's penis. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's the cameo in that movie. Uh, so I, I'm way more excited about the potential of a Black Widow movie than the movie we're about to talk about because apparently uh, Fox is looking for Tim Miller to work on a Kitty Pride film. He is allegedly currently producing a Kitty Pride movie that Fox would uh, potentially release. 
Now, I have several questions about the prospect of such a film. One being, Fox is getting ready to be purchased by uh, Disney. Or, well, they, they they're tentatively are purchased by Disney. So, how does that work out? Uh, also... Do we need a Kitty Pride movie? Yes. yes. Holy shit. I wasn't My fucking dude that. right here. My fucking dude. I wasn't expecting that reaction, if I'm being honest. <laughs> we need a Kitty Pride movie. No. Nightcrawler needs to be her sidekick. Oh. Lockheed needs to be in the movie. Oh, Pete, this is why this is why we do this together. That's why we're boys. <laughs> Kel, what do you think? I wouldn't turn my nose up to a Kitty Pride movie. Boom. There you, you go. You know who else wanted to turn his nose up to a Kitty Pride movie? Fucking Bendis. <laughs> Sorry, Kitty Pride is fucking great. <laughs> I love Kitty Pride as a character. She's a dope character. Yeah. I love I love Kitty Pride. I grew up with Kitty Pride. Don't see a reason for a movie. I feel this way about a lot of the X-Men. I think that one of the dumber things that Fox has tried to do is make all of these solo X-Men Gambit. movies. Um the Gambit movie just lost its third director. Uh, they can't get that thing off the ground. Poor Channing Tatum. Yeah. Um, Deadpool was a success, but Deadpool has also legs. has legs and has been a success in the comic space. Uh, he's also not an X-Man. Like, I know he's associated there, but he has, like, a solo brand more than most X-Men. Yeah. Sure, sure. But, like, the point is that... They they try to make these so like they were gonna make a Cyclops solo movie. I'm a huge Cyclops fan. I don't think that that makes any level of sense. So my the question old- is, would you see a Jean Grey solo? No. I mean, would I go? Oh. Would I go? Yeah, of course I'll go. But should they make it? No, that's dumb as hell. Right. I almost got him to say no. I wouldn't see that. So my my whole thing is. I, I agree with that sentiment. I don't think a Kitty Pride, like a movie that's starring Kitty Pride, shouldn't be just about Kitty Pride. Like it should be about her with a small team because that's like where she shines in my mind. You know, like yeah, that was Excalibur, the Ultimate X stuff where it was them like underground and she's Ugh. the leader of the remaining X Men. Like there are plenty of stories with Kitty in a leadership role with a few other like young mutants around her um, that play. It, it, honestly, I would be down to see like Kitty Pryde and Colossus oh, film. Yeah, that's the I only was, thing. I was actually going to bring that up. They already set up Colossus and Deadpool too and people liked him. Like, I want that relationship on the big screen now. You can bring a Nightcrawler and Lockheed. That'd be dope. Yeah, have, like, let's, the, have, let's have the uh, the child sex relationship. Okay, alright. <laughs> let's let's no, take that's adult not, Colossus That's not what we're going for, Sean. No, it's true love. Underage and Kitty Pride no, and showcase no, that no, no, no. on screen. Rated R. Okay. okay. Let's do it. Stanley's Pocket. Listen, just because Marco likes to watch anime and it's oh women, okay. doesn't mean that you can make fun of his interests <laughs> like that, okay? Kel's having none of this shit. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's not illegal in Russia, Sean. Oh, okay. I was down for a Kitty Pride Colossus uh, rom-com up until <laughs> that came up, and now I'm, yeah, I'm out. But is that not, I mean, listen, let's face facts. She was like 14, and he that was, was like 19 or something. That wasn't cool. Yeah, it, it was, it's it's like, it's something like that. Yeah, yeah she's, I, mean, she's, I mean, but at, at the same time, like, the Reed and Sue Storm storyline was that for a while too i mean yeah. you know that stuff gets retconned gets written out yeah they like, wouldn't write that into the movie <laughs> yeah they'll, uh, they'll age her up all right but guess down. what's gonna happen when they make that movie 
Guess what articles are going to be published? <laughs> Hashtag not mine. Fox <laughs> making a movie about under about adult male who <laughs> rapes child oh, okay. and oh, their and okay. their relationship. It was statutory. Sean. Oh, it was consensual. No, I'm done with right. this. Just a minor. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. This is what happens. There's no miners in space, Sean. <laughs> Let's bury this topic what? in the cold, hard ground. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I honestly There's don't. There's a joke about Stanley's dick there. There Bill. was. Let's there leave was. all that out. I don't see this movie getting made. <laughs> I, I don't see this happening. Could be good. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> now we have to talk about something that uh, we'll all be far less comfortable with. Then we were talking about the relationship between Colossus. <laughs> That's saying a lot. Stan Lee's penis. Nope, no. there it is. See, oh, no. I don't think we're going to be uncomfortable talking about it. This whole episode <laughs> has just been a fucked up charade. <laughs> I feel like you just wanted to say charade. <laughs> I mean, it was the first word that came to mind. There you go. Uh, so we're not. So we are talking about Stan Lee. Uh, by now, most people have probably heard. Uh, the allegations uh, about Stan Lee and what he has been doing. Uh, so the story was broken initially. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Marco is making very immature uh, gestures with his fingers. I called out. Uh, I, I had to. Uh, initially, we learned um, from Mail Online. Which that is a fucking rag. Just want to point that out. <laughs> I just hate the Daily Mail. It has nothing to do with the story. Uh, so they 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 broke the story initially, uh, two stories in fact, um, regarding the allegations uh, that Stanley had assaulted uh, some nur- nurses at his home uh, from a particular nursing care company and a hotel massage therapist at C two E two. So. Those were the initial allegations. Uh, Stanley defended himself and his lawyers defended him by calling them a shakedown, quote unquote, which is the most Stanley thing to say. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> They're just trying to besmirch my good name. <laughs> um, now, of course, uh, throughout this process, uh, people have come out to defend Stanley. People like Pete have said that the Daily Mail is not a reputable website, which certainly it has uh, made a lot of uh, false allegations and accusations yeah, about just various to, stories. Just to clarify, like the Daily Mail is like in many ways a tabloid. Like they regularly um, write about celebrity gossip and things that are patently not true. So um, that was where my yeah my uh, my jab at them was coming from. So. That, that I think, was where a lot of people were kind of leaving it. The space of, like, we don't know if this is true or not, but this is pretty weird. Yeah. If anything, could Stanley do this? I don't know. Maybe. He's done some messed up stuff to other people, but that's a far cry from uh, sexually assaulting anybody. Sure. However, uh, shortly after the initial wave of allegations came out, Bleeding Cool... Uh, who have been, I mean, they've been the champions uh, lately of telling these stories. Of course, Rich Johnston uh, broke even more news about this subject. And, you know, brace yourself because this is about to get super uncomfortable. 
Uh, so <laughs> it sure will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so this is from the Bleeding Cool article. Two days ago, a prominent comic book creator offered an alternate perspective after reading these reports, writing online about attending a comic book convention last year and meeting Lee again. Ah, man, I only believe this because the last time I saw Stan, he gave my wife a little grope and an extended kiss. I thought it was funny at first because he's Stan Lee. He was 94 at the time, and while strange, I thought harmless. My wife even cracked up. But reading this story makes it a lot less funny. And his wife joined the thread to back it up, saying, True story. At the time, thinking about it, it was funny. Little old man, comic legend, he pulled me all on, he pulled me on his lap and full-on kisses me. I laughed it off. But yeah, that totally happened to me too. Uh, so, that was that. And then, of course, people came out to say that she was lying or deny her story and she said so you're saying i wasn't groped and he didn't try to stick his tongue down my throat while my husband was watching during a meet and greet that was six months ago by the way uh so six months ago from now so this was at a comic convention that took place six months ago i don't know which one it was i haven't really tried to track it thinking it could have been philly but i don't really know uh i don't know that he was there yeah i don't i don't know um i figured it out with a little bit of effort but yeah it's relevant. Right. And so then a the the Bleeding Cool artist says, a, a very senior A-list creator added, I remember you telling me this at the time it happened. I am sorry this happened to you. I remember how much you looked forward to meeting him that day. So that is cooperation that Stan Lee has done this to someone who has no reason to lie and there's no real gain, and it's a husband and wife saying it, and then a third individual uh, cooperating the story. I also think when you read the tone of these, it like there's there's no like there is no reason to lie because what would what would they possibly have to gain from it, right? Like they're not trying to blackmail him or anything like that. They're just like, oh yeah, no, like hearing this story, something like this has like I remember him doing something kind of shady like this too, right? And and for them. And in, in the context of their experience divorced from this new information, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just Stan, like, it's just an old guy, you know, like, which, to be fair, uh, media has portrayed old men as perverted, his, like, on television and in film. And, and that there's, like, always a harmless nature to it. Funny. That's funny. Yeah. It's cute. It's played up for humor. So the fact that they would have reacted that way in their experience with him in that moment is not a surprise at all. No. And why they wouldn't say anything, because to them, it was nothing. But now that all of this is coming out, it's like, yeah. It puts it in a new light. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so do you guys have any kind of like reaction to that initial? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I not really. Like, I, you know, it, it, when, I, when this story broke, um, I very much came at it from the angle of, look, this sounds plausible, right? Nobody... Anybody who knows anything about Stan Lee beyond the very, um, let's say, revisionist way that I think the public looks at him now, that he's, you know... Uh, lovable as, grandpa. Yeah, right. The lovable grandpa who created Spider-Man. And, you know, 
I think the reality of the situation is that uh, we have an issue, I think, in, in our society of like trying to paint real life people with the same kind of brushes that we paint fictional characters. And like Stanley isn't a wholly good person or, you know, and I don't believe he's a wholly evil person either. Um, but it's the thing of like, I was doubtful of this story because of where it came from. I don't trust the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail is a tabloid. They had an anonymous source and it's the kind of thing that like, while plausible, it wasn't provable. And until there was a person who was willing to say, hey, I'm, you know, whoever, I'm Jane Doe, I, I needed a name. I wanted a person to come out and say, this happened to me, not a tabloid magazine. Uh, and these are real people. These are real people saying this happened. That's a totally plausible story. Like, I, th the way she described it is like, yeah, I could see that happening at Comic-Con, right? And... um so yeah, I mean, I'm sh I, I believe it. All right. Uh, well, now let's travel back to the original allegations about, um, you know, the massage therapist and the nurse situation. Yeah. Because that's been followed up on significantly. Now, uh, Nancy Grace, who I uh, I am no fan of myself, uh, has a a, a show called Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, and it airs on Sirius XM. Um, and the more recent episode of that show focused in on the uh, sexual harassment allegations involving Stan Lee. Uh, now, Alan Duke was on the show. He is a co-producer of the show, and apparently he has been on Stan Lee's case uh, about this kind of thing for several years. Mm. Uh, so for, for some time now, he's been involved with this. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to read his words, Duke's words from the show, and that'll build the story here, and then we can just react to it overall. So the following is from Duke. Well, I've been on stand for several years and people know I know. So sometimes when things happen in his world, they reach out to me. And that's what happened. I was recently asked for help by a young lady who was hired by a nursing company to take care of Stan Lee. And it was a rather disturbing text, one that could not be ignored. So I started digging into it. And what I found was that there was not just one, but maybe as many as six nurses who are making allegations against Stan Lee. Uh, and then Nancy Grace asks him for the text. And the text is, Hi, Alan. Maybe you can help me. Stan Lee, and then she names an employee of Stan Lee, tried to rape me. The employee ripped off my shirt and grabbed my, grabbed, it, this is what it says, grabbed Wait. by my breast. Okay, real quick. Is there a period there? Yeah. Stan Lee's employee tried to rape me? Or is it? It's Okay, I'll read it again. Yeah. And then she names an employee of Stan Lee, tried to rape me. The employee. Period. Ripped off my shirt and grabbed grabbed by my breast. That's the, that's how it's written. Okay. So he said he would kill me if I tried to go to the police. <clears throat> and the following is from Duke. So we've not substantiated that this actually happened. In another communication, she indicated that she was that she has actual phone video of some of the things to corroborate this. But the bottom line is this unleashed a whole investigation that's going on. I will say it is not a police investigation. So that's not great. That's terrible. Um, 
So he continues on. I have documentation of as many as six. And as Alexis said, Alexis is a co-host on the show. Or I think it was Dr. Bethany suggested also co-host. More could come forward. But these were women who were giving 24-hour around-the-clock care. In one of the communications with one of the nurses, she writes that as this incident happened, this alleged attempt rape happened, that Stan thought it was funny that he was laughing. And I can tell you from sources who know him, even though he knows that the allegations are being made public, he's not taking them seriously. Because keep in mind, at Dr. Bethany, you can talk to this, this is a 95-year-old man who's as rich as you can imagine. His movies have sold more than $20 billion in tickets, so he doesn't have a care in the world. His wife died, and frankly, he's not taking this. I mean, his lawyers are, but he's he doesn't seem extremely concerned about what's going on. Uh, and then Duke follows up. None of them, the nurses, have gone to the police. Several of them have gone to lawyers, and the lawyers have been exchanging letters from Stanley's lawyers. Now, it would be the Los Angeles Police Department or their particular jurisdiction, and I'm not aware of anyone who has gone to them at this point. As this one nurse told me, she's afraid because Stan, because she says she's been threatened with her life. And the person, not Stan Lee, but the person who made the allegation, I do have copies of his criminal record, which shows he actually has convictions for violence. Uh, and then the article goes on to talk about what the lawyers have said and, you know, various things of that nature um, and yada, yada, yada. Um, there is another very disturbing allegation in this article, uh, that alleges that Stan Lee was actually, um, was actually abusing Joan. Uh, and I don't know if this is true. The Bleeding Cool article itself kind of calls into question Alan Duke's uh, true knowledge of this whole situation just because why is it that people are texting Alan Duke um, I don't if you want to read more of the article you can read it for yourself I'm not going to get into all of the stuff I've covered enough um, but obviously this is heavy stuff so what are we thinking well now you can see why the game at the beginning of the show was in such poor taste <laughs> uh, so the this the duke stuff right a lot of that's news to me so i'm processing some of it but i i the thing that stands out to me is like this situation is like really muddy and interesting not obviously not interesting in a you know what i'm trying to say yeah, yeah, yeah. take it with a grain of salt please uh just because there seems to be two separate stories here Right, like Stanley is obviously involved in this other assault, and if he was there watching and laughing or whatever, like that's horrifying. Um, but that almost that like that's almost a separate issue from these like six other women who've come forward saying that he did, uh, you know, the like exposing himself and the original reports that we heard. So I'd be interested to hear if there are going to be more developments in this story that we'll learn that there were more cases of like violence or issues with this unnamed employee, or was that an isolated incident? Like how did this person with a violent criminal history even end up in the employee of Stanley? Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot more to this story that we might not ever get. I mean, I think this is far from over. Um, yeah. I don't think that you get to the point where you're hearing about, 
all these different allegations, all these different people who were assaulted, all this kind of craziness, and then it just goes away. Uh, I don't think Stanley has the power to make it go away. And I think that obviously his lawyers are aware of this and that there are there are talks that are currently undergoing. What's weird to me is that um, the police haven't been involved, or at least it doesn't appear that they've been involved. Um, and I, at first, I was like, okay, if Stanley, like the idea of Stanley exposing himself and like groping women at a nursing home or whatever is so not even like weird like it's weird it's not cool it's it's terrible but it's not shocking it's like yeah stanley would do that sure fine it was and like that stuff that stuff happens in a, a nursing home like yeah. dementia patients and you know exactly nurses deal with that all the time it, it's not right but they you know that's it's a factor of I but, think, but there's a there's a dissonance there because i have friends who work at nursing homes in that capacity and like it's one thing like there, there, there's a difference between being groped by someone who's not at the proper mental facility because oftentimes the people I know that do that they understand like it's part of the job like it, it, it's not it's not out of malevolence it's out of lack of cognizance but right there, there are also certain people that do it because they're disgusting humans and that's those are the ones that are actually troubling for those people that work there. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what this sounds like to me as someone is aware of it because these nurses are horrified by. Yeah, it. I think I think the point Sean was making though is that there was a version of this story where Stanley is a 95-year-old man in the throes of dementia and he's not we're not vilifying those actions but saying yeah. that they're not being done in a, you know, they're being done cuz he's losing his mind, not because he's a a pig. Whereas this yeah. uh, update changes that tone of the story. Oh, well, I- and not even necessarily because, again, it's like if he is a senile old man and one of his employees raped one of his nurses and he's in the throes of dementia, it also doesn't necessarily mean that he was there cheering the guy on. It's like we don't really know. But I'm saying, like, I agree with you. Like, this has taken on a much darker tone for me than when we heard the initial allegations, even if they were true. Yeah. Well, my take is this. Like I said, in the beginning, if you if you're if you're gonna tell me that Stan Lee uh is a pervert, I'll believe you. Like I'm not saying I'll believe you just just because you tell me, but if you can it's like plausible. the idea on its face is plausible. It's not crazy to me that that could be true. Not at all. Whether it's because he has dementia or just because he's an old white dude who, you know, existed in an era where men got away with everything they wanted to get away with and he's always he's been powerful for longer than he wasn't. And he's also rich. And he's rich. <laughs> so like, yeah, I could believe that. Sure. Um that he's a pervert, that he's a pig, but that he's a rapist, that was like a, like a harder sell for me. Yeah. And also because the original information was coming from a website I don't trust. Right. Um, but I not that Bleeding Cool is like the paragon of truth, but they're doing the reporting. Akira Yoshida, like they broke that story. Like, right. And again, they didn't like, like this came from other people. And like, the Alan Duke thing. Yeah. The Alan Duke thing. Uh, the creator's comments the from cr- the con. Right. Like- and the creator's comments from the con. I believe that 1000%. Yeah. I have no reason not to believe no. that. And if he did do that, which I'm assuming he did because I don't see why these people would lie. I still don't think that's cool. I think it's weird as hell. But the people in the situation who are not me didn't think much of it when it happened. 
Again, because I really do. And then, you know, you can argue that it's a cultural thing, but I think it is the difference of, hey, this is a 95 year old legend. And yeah, what he did was inappropriate, but that's how that's they took it. They laughed. Like, yeah, right. right. Like, they laughed at it. And that's way different. When you add in the Alan Duke portion of this, that's when I start to think, are we talking about a guy who is actually an evil person? Or are we talking about a guy whose wife just died, who is 95 years old, and who is losing it? Yeah. And didn't know, doesn't know what's going on in those in those instances, and is employing people, who knows if he hired them or if he has a, 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 a you know, someone yeah, who's- Stanley, in, Stanley's not hiring people. Right. Who, who hired somebody who is an evil person, and who knows what, what, what this person is doing to Stan or what he might have done to Joan. If 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 Alan's allegations are true, that, draw, that he saw a picture, I don't want to go into it, but he says that he saw a picture of Joan Lee looking sad and bruised, and the allegation that he's making is that Stan or someone in Stan's employee was abusing her, and that that's actually why she died. Now, that's like a whole other can of worms, but Am I going to believe that Stan Lee was abusing his wife? I don't know if I can believe that or not. But if you're going to tell me that a guy is raping women in front of Stan Lee and telling them that he's going to kill them, could that guy also be abusing elderly people? Yeah. Totally likely. Right. Like that's a situation where you have a violent person in a position of power and probably very little to no oversight. And and, and I'm about to stop talking, but I just want to make it clear. I'm not trying to say that Stan Lee has no culpability. I'm not trying to say that I'm not going to, that I'm not willing to believe that he did anything wrong in any of these instances i'm not trying to defend stan lee i don't give a shit about stan lee let me just make that clear like i i respect what he's contributed to comics but i don't know him personally i don't have a relationship to him i have no interest in defending him i'm simply stating that there it sounds to me like there's more to this story than we know and that there could be a situation here where this is a guy who is out of his mind and dealing with people around him who don't have his best interests in mind and who are using his money and power to hurt people, women, to hurt women, yeah. and maybe to hurt Stan. And I don't know the fullness of that. So Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think, I think that that disclaimer goes across the board, right? None of us are here to defend him. Like, but that's also like, that's not what we do. Right. We call ourselves journalists because like we're trying to have a conversation about the story. And like the reality is we don't know the full uh, picture here and either of the scenarios you just laid out are equally plausible. So, and uh, yeah, I, I'm totally with you there. I, I it, We don't know. We don't know. We don't know where Stanley's responsibility is here. We don't really have an understanding of where he is mentally um, or who else is even involved. Any other takes, guys? I think this story gets worse before it gets better. I don't think I don't think it will get better. Yeah, I think this is all you say we don't have the full story yet. Like there's going to be more that comes from it and I think that is only going to get worse. Yep. I, and I think I think regardless of who is ultimately the guilty party. Like it, it, whether we walk away here thinking it's Stanley's uh unnamed employee or it's him like I agree with you that we're going to learn a lot more unsavory details about this story regardless of who is ultimately responsible for, you know, the real shit here. That's going to suck. What do you think, Marco? Yeah, um, I agree. We're, we're going to learn more. And at, at this point, there's just a lot of unknowns. But where where it seems like it's heading, it's not. 
it's not anywhere we want to be and sort of so uh like we'll we'll obviously provide updates as this like comes out but like um i don't know it's just it's unsavory and um uh I, I guess all we can really hope is we we find out what 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 happens we, and we we learn the truth and we we do what's right ultimately yeah Kel, what do you think man i don't know we've talked about quite a bit quite a bit of this uh as it has come out you know throughout the week and everything and i i may be leaning further toward yeah stanley's a piece of shit he's always been a piece of shit we Everybody knows that, or everybody should know that. Everybody who's a uh, knows any anything worth their salt in comic books should know that. Even just based on, uh, you know the 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 credit situations with the Marvel characters, you can you can say that this situation is separate from that, and uh, you know because it's just shitty business dealings or whatever and that's true but i think that's a very good portrait of his character and and that's you know that's not even counting you know the the misogynistic uh era that he comes from and his you know shitty tendencies as a misogynistic old man you know so i i you know what 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 am i supposed to think other than uh, well yep so Check, checks out the thing about stan lee being like kind of a crummy guy is like the worst kept secret in comics um a lot of people have jumped on in the last 10 years and they know stan lee is this lovable guy who shows up in, the, in as a cameo in every marvel film that he has some kind of hand in um but that just ignores like 40 years of his history and i think your comments about his character are fair and if it turns out that this situation is the worst possible situation for Stanley. I don't think any of us would be surprised. It would be extremely unfortunate. It'd be unfortunate that it happened. It'd be unfortunate for the people that he abused, but it wouldn't be surprising. If if it turns out that Stanley is a rapist, I'd be surprised. Yeah, I agree. Like I I, I, I think that's a huge jump, man. Like I, the uh, point about a, a, is a dude a dude in a position of power uses it to take advantage of other people. Nah, not me. I wouldn't be surprised. No, like, again, if you let me finish my point, yeah, like, it is a huge jump to say that somebody who acts shady in their personal life is also a rapist. Like, I'm not saying that, like, yeah, no, like, man in a position, like, I get the comparison you're making, but, like, that they're they're very different things. And I, I think, like, we make that comparison at our own peril. And my whole issue with this story is that the narrative is, has been, oh, well, it's plausible, so let's believe it. And like, that is us as a community buying into a story before it's even been told. And we got all this new information that totally changes the tenor of the story. So I agree with what you're saying, right? I'm not defending Stan Lee. I'm not speaking to his character, but I'm saying that you can't just say, oh, well, it seems plausible. So let me believe it. That's a really, really dangerous way to think. And I would ask everyone on this show and everyone listening to this show to hold yourself to a higher standard. Like, wait for the story, like, make the decision based on the information, not based on something because it seems plausible or because, you know, like, I'm not defending what he did to Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko. That has nothing to do with him being a rapist. I'm not saying that he did do any of this. 
I am saying that if it were true, if it comes out as true, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I've already said that. Yeah, I, said I, know, that I, know. I said that the day it happened. I know. I'm just, I am just clarifying for at least the listeners. Sake. Yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm not on the jury. I'm not being asked to make the final decision. Um, I'm, you know, some, I'm some shit brain who's a fan of comics on the other side of the world. Um, I, you know, my, my, uh, opinion of this has no bearing on the situation. You know, there's no real gravity to my opinion. So I'm going to stick with it. Like I, uh, I, I, I buy it. And this, like, this, this is gonna, this is complete speculation and is gonna come conspiratorial and even ridiculous. I wouldn't be surprised if the, the dude in his employ is, you know, some, uh, you know, Stanley's what, fucking 95? Some 50 year old who he's had in his employ for 40 years. Oh, come who, on. Uh, <laughs> we don't know. Dude's, dude's the most, at one point in time, was the most powerful dude in comics. He's a, a billionaire, at least. No, he's, no not. he's not. That's not true. That's what I'm saying. It's like that kind of speculation. You're not doing yourself any favors, man. Like, you're just speculating I, wildly. Who, who, who should I be doing favors for? I'm not, I'm not doing favors for anybody. Like, it's not, like, like I said, like, same, same principle. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, uh, I think that... The old adage from one of my favorite movies of all time applies here in this moment when we're talking about Stanley, and that is that you either die a hero <laughs> or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I was thinking that the whole time. Stanley, just a few months ago, the narrative around you was that you agreed to do an extra convention in Florida to help with relief and to raise money for people who were affected by the flood. Or I should say the hurricane. Now, we're talking about you as a groper at least, and a rapist at worst, and uh, this is the darkest timeline. <laughs> nice comedian reference. So, with that, I think we're good to wrap up this conversation about Stan. Obviously, as Marco said earlier, we will uh, update you on this as this thing unfolds. Uh, it sucks. No one wants to talk about it, but it is what it is. And, uh, you know, we have to hold everyone's feet to the fire, including the legend known as Stanley. Uh, so if you have thoughts about this or any other topic that we discussed on the show, uh, you can get to us in a variety of ways. Uh, you can stop by on iTunes and while you're there, you can leave a comment and of course, uh, leave us a like and a rating you deem appropriate for our show. Uh, you can, Hit us up on social media. We are at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. Uh, you can write to us at the Comics Pals at gmail.com where you can hit us with your random question of the week, a buy or sell, uh, or your thoughts on this or any other subject that we've talked about on this or any other episode because we uh, need validation. Uh, and then, <laughs> Especially me. There you go. And then last but not least, as I've said, uh, we are on YouTube where you can leave us a like. Drop us a comment, share the video with your friends, thus letting them know that we exist and that you like what we do. And the most important thing you can do is hit that subscribe button. If you have a friend and for whatever reason you just happen to have like access to their YouTube account, why don't you just go and 
subscribe to our channel on their YouTube account. Just leave them that gift when they get on their computer again or when they access their YouTube again. They'll have Comics Pals videos to watch. That's the best gift you could give them in the new year. Or make a fake Gmail account. Just make an extra one and go at just go subscribe. Yeah, let's let's do that. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so uh, with that, let's do some plugs, Pete. Cool. Thank you guys again so much for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. I really appreciate doing the show with, uh, for you guys every week. So thank you so much. Uh, if you want to get some more content from me, you can uh, check out my writing over at CBR.com. Uh, you can also follow me at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram to talk to me about uh, any of the stuff we discussed today or video games, pretty much anything. I'm, I'm up in the chat. And uh, if you want to get more content from me here at the Pals Network, you can catch me and Sean tomorrow on our video game podcast, The Video Game Pals. And you can catch me Monday through Friday on our Let's Play show, Pals Play, which should be returning... I'm not going to say next week. We'll say two weeks. We took a little bit of a hiatus. We're doing some retooling on the show. Me and Thompson are coming back with some really cool, fresh new stuff for you guys, uh, as well as finishing up Dishonored and Life is Strange. So make sure you tune in for all that. Oh, and Doki Doki. Tune in for all that. Doki Doki. Cool. Uh, Kale? You can find my stuff with Panels Publishing on Selfie.com slash Panels Publishing, as well as on Comixology under Panels Comics. Uh, You can find me on... Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. And make sure you uh, hang around next week um, for the Riverdale review. When that comes out, we We're will. We're back, uh, fam. We will be back on the case uh, for the inevitable conclusion of the Black Hood murders because everybody knows it's not done. <laughs> Marco, uh, you can find me at Mr. Marco Animoto on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'm reading Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol, which I am enjoying very much. Thank you, Phil. Marco's a scissor man. I am a scissor man. Um, Tweet at Marco and tell him he's a scissor man. Please, I I need to leave the tentacle gang. Hashtag scissor Marco. <laughs> Hashtag tendrils. <Ugh. laughs> uh, Phil. <laughs> yeah, you can find me at Twitter at Relic Vampire. Um, <laughs> you can just. Talk to me about how I need to get a haircut and how bad anime is. All right, then. <laughs> That's an opinion. He's at Cyborg Bebop. <laughs> you can find me there and on Instagram at Cyborg Bebop. That's C-Y-B-O-R-G-B-E-Bop. A Cyborg Bebop. Cool. And uh, I am at Sean Soapbox on Twitter only, where you can talk to me about uh, anything including and most preferably Pirates. Stan Lee's penis. Oh, there it is. And with that, <laughs> we're the Comics Pal signing off. <laughs> we'll see you next week.